When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. This week's episode features an interview with college football guru, Phil Steele, who previews Michigan and the rest of the Big Ten. We will also discuss the latest recruiting news and when to expect word on the 2020 season. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Aaron, welcome back. We, we welcome <laughs> you back after, I don't know, two, three, ten-week absence. I cannot keep track of time anymore, so I'm not really sure how long you were gone, but hey, welcome back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Looks like he's potting from a, a new spot today, too. New view. Yeah, I moved finally. So it's been like a whole summer thing. We finally got it done last week. So took the whole week off to move. And, and we're still not fully moved in. That's what I hate about moving. Like it takes forever. And then you've got to like unpack everything. And we're trying to fill everything out. We're buying new furniture. It's a pain in the butt. But anyway, I'm back. Yeah, nobody wants to hear about your problems. The bottom line is here. <laughs> we're talking about the college football season. And will it will happen as we have been for now months. And I could, can't help but think back to that Ward Manual press conference on June 18th when he told us that a decision would likely come at the end of that month or maybe, maybe it would go into early July. Well, now early July is coming gone. Mid-July is coming gone. It, it's late <laughs> July. Tomorrow is the last day of July. Uh, um, and, you know, still really no word. And I mean, it's just, it just keeps getting punted, you know, every, every meeting, every, every, you know, vote, they just delay it, delay it. Uh, Pat Forty actually writing for SI.com, I think had a, had a pretty good story kind of breaking this all down. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I just, I wouldn't expect, there's really no reason to expect an answer uh, on any particular date. Michigan footballs begins its real full team practices August 7th, I read in, in one of your stories. Um, so you, you would think by supposed then to. you should know, but yeah, okay, it's supposed to. And, and who says they can't start practice anyway, even if, even if a decision hasn't been made on the season? It's just, I don't know, to me, it, it, it is really, it, it's, it's this weird game of chicken where the NCAA clearly just wants the conferences to make their own decisions, but the conferences probably want the NCAA to be the bad guy to say no. And maybe even the conferences want the individual schools to do it. So I don't know like what the first domino is going to be in this. Everything's at some point, someone, yeah, at some point someone's going to have to pull the trigger and make a decision because you mm-hmm. can't just continue to push it off. It's weird. You, you were joking that I've been gone a few weeks and it seems like nothing has changed since I've come back. You, you, I mean, you've seen some conferences alter their plans for a schedule and the Big Ten has done that. Obviously, they're going to play a, a, a conference schedule only at this point. 
but and mm-hmm. I was joking with a colleague Matt Wenzel last week, but no one no one wants to be the first person to make a decision to cancel the season. Mm-hmm. Once that and I said, and as soon as that first conference decides that from an FBS perspective, then everyone's going to race through the same thing because no one wants to be last either. So it's it's one of those things where. I, 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 I'm not, I'm just as pessimistic as I was a few weeks ago that that they're actually going to complete a season. I do think, and I, I've said this from the get go. I think they're going to try. They're going to punt this as long as they can to try and start a season. Whether they whether you know, whether they're able to finish it is a different story. Um, I, I, I'm not I'm not optimistic about this at all. I mean, you saw what happened with baseball. You're starting to see other uh, you know, team breakouts happen with teams. I just I don't see how it happens, or at least how they finish this season. Just because they're not going to do a bubble, they've said right. that. Go college football is not going to try that. Michigan doesn't want any part of it, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. These kids aren't getting paid. I mean, they're student athletes. It's one of those things where they're waiting on one person or one entity to decide, like you said. And the NCAA has, in my opinion, NCAA has provided basically zero leadership this entire thing. And it's it's gone. And it's at the conference level. It's up to the conferences here. And the Big Ten is they made their decision at least on a scheduling perspective. But what happens if one league, you know, decides not to play? Then it, it's and then I think it becomes a domino effect, and we're not going to have college football this fall. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I mean, obviously, Major League Baseball that is a professional sport. They could have done a, a bubble, but you know, couldn't agree to do that or just chose not to. And and now you're seeing, you know, what's happening when you know. Uh, a whole team um, has an outbreak and it's really not just in that one team. I mean, it's okay. Well, look at who they just played and look at who now they're supposed to be playing. They're scheduled to play going forward. And, you know, the same thing would happen in college football. It would be, you know, if a team had an issue, uh, you got to look at who they just played and then, okay, can they play their next game? Now, how how does that affect everything? It's just, it's just this domino effect. Uh, You can't just necessarily knock off a team yeah and baseball is a socially distant sport or at least was thought to right. be. i mean you're not you're not t- you know on one another all the time you're not tackling each other football mm-hmm. is a totally different beast and with a lot fewer players too i mean it's a lot easier to contact trace for major league baseball when there's only 30 man rosters right now on a college football roster you have like 120 players on the team i mean that's and they're interacting probably with even outside students and more so it's it would be a lot harder to do any contact tracing with them too. So, I mean, just look at Rutgers and Michigan State so far. They've had a little bit of an outbreak and had to shut everything down. So, um, if that happens in season, you're going to have to you'll most likely have to miss the next week, maybe two weeks of, of games. And then, what does that do for the end result of the season? I mean, it's just it's just a, a huge mess right now. It's got to be sorted out, and I don't know. We'll no one to wants. To, no one wants to be the one to do it. No one yeah. wants to be the one to to do that sorting um, and and make those tough decisions, which is just really in, in, unfortunate. I mean, certainly not the first to to say this, but you know, the NCA likes to involve itself in, in a lot of different things and has uh, you know quite. I, I've gone through the manual before, looking for you know specific uh, uh, rules regarding you know recruiting and, and and things like that. It's 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 a pretty dense uh, a book. They have rules for a lot of different things, and yet, you know, now it's it's time where like they really could be could be needed, useful, um, and pretty much you know silent on the issue. Good luck, figure it out for yourselves. Um, but there are votes coming up. Yes, Aaron, you can probably maybe clarify exactly when these are happening that might shed some light on on, on what's going on, or, or who knows. Yeah, the, the NCAA Board of Governors are scheduled to meet Tuesday, and I think Wednesday too. So I guess they're going to be back. Days there's I think there's an assumption out there or an idea that, that they may decide on 
whether or not the NCAA will sponsor fall championships or fall sports. However, mm-hmm. that there's a wrinkle there because while they sponsor the championships for like FCS and Division Two and things, they don't sponsor championship for FBS Division One football. It's it's the college football right. playoff and the bowl system, which is technically separate. Yeah. Uh, so even if they decide to say, "Hey, we're not going to do fall championships," football could still try and you know make, create a pathway for itself. Whether it does or not, I, I you know I don't, I don't know, but I, I do expect some type of clarity of that that week, next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, perhaps. And that could pave the way for what happens here. But again, it's going to be up to, I think, the individual conferences and schools, um, whether what they decide to do. Because at this point, there's a report today, uh, yeah, today, the Chicago Tribune, the Big Ten is planning, at least at this point, to roll out a nine or 10 game schedule some point in the next week. Um, their idea is that season would begin September 5th. They'd have three to five open dates sprinkled throughout the fall schedule for every school in case, again, in case an outbreak happens and the team has to quarantine. But the plan right now is to play nine or 10 games. They haven't settled, I guess, at this point. Um, and they want to front load it with divisional opponents, division teams, so that, you know, the Michigan Ohio State could play earlier than, than usual. Michigan, Michigan State could play, you know, Indiana, Purdue, whatever. So we'll see whether that happens, but that, that's something to be on the horizon at this point. But again, the NCAA, the NCAA decision could have – could have a factor. I have a hard time fathoming the NCAA saying, hey, we're not going to do championships or fall sports, but football trying to still continue. But again, it is the breadwinner. It does make all the money. It brings in the revenue for these schools. So in a way, you do have to treat it differently. But at the same token, I don't know how a university can sleep at night saying, hey, these sports are not going to play this fall, but we're going to try and play football. Right. Meanwhile, poor Aaron has to submit his his ballot, official ballot for Big Ten standings, not even knowing what the schedule is, who, who, which teams are, you know, it's not about necessarily when they're playing them, but even which schools they're playing, you know, tough gig. Um, but uh, all right. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, get into some some other topics here. As we mentioned, this uh, this podcast will, the, the sort of second half of this podcast, if you will, will be uh, Aaron's interview with Phil Steele, um, which we'll preview a little bit, you know, t- towards the end of our conversation here. But uh, I know there are some, some other topics to get to uh, on the recruiting front. We can start with football, since that's what we're talking about anyway here. Ryan, I, I yield the floor to you. Yeah, it's looking like Michigan is going to land another receiver in this 2021 class. Um, kind of out of nowhere, uh, Andrell Anthony and East Lansing going to be a senior. And uh, for the past couple months, all the crystal ball pr- projections were, had him going to Michigan State, his hometown school, who's been recruiting him for, for a while. And uh, all of a sudden this week, you've you, you seen him tweeting out some cryptic messages, and then you've seen some other uh, Michigan current players or current recruits kind of tweeting at him. Um, and then just yesterday, you just saw a bunch of – uh, recruiting experts changed their crystal ball projections to Michigan, and it looks like tomorrow, uh, Friday, at his high school, he will be announcing his commitment to to the Wolverines at 6 p.m., which kind of shocking considering the last two commits have been receivers for Michigan. Um, so this would be their fourth in the class, which which seems like a lot. But, I mean, even Josh Gaddis said earlier a few months ago that, yeah, we only have seven scholarship receivers right now, which which isn't – or six or seven scholarship receivers – which isn't many. So they're looking to restock that position. And uh, Anthony would be another one of, of those pieces. He's a, a three-star guy, ranked 512 in the country. Um, so he would be, out of missions, 20 commits right now, he would rank near the bottom. But he would be the top-ranked uh, commit for Michigan State right now. So I definitely think this is more of a, 
a huge, a bigger loss for Michigan State than it is a, a get for Michigan. But kind of that first real recruiting battle between the in-state schools and Mel Tucker and, and Jim Harbaugh and staff. So and it looks like Michigan's going to pull out a win here for a guy right in, in Michigan State's backyard. I was just going to say, optically, this would be awful for Michigan State, not because Andrells and he like high prize recruit. He's a three-star kid. I mean, he's talented. Don't get me wrong, but he's only a top 500 kid. He and he plays at East Lansing High School. He's been mm-hmm. he, he's been linked to Michigan State now for months. He's expected to, to to you know commit to Michigan State. And as as you pointed out, and I I didn't even know this, he would have been Michigan State's highest ranked recruit for the 2021 class. And his teammate at East Lansing, an offensive lineman, is Michigan is Michigan State's second or top ranked commit right now and he's good friends with Anthony so just a lot of signs had him going towards Michigan State but I don't know if uh, I think Aaron saw somewhere online that maybe their Michigan's looking at him as a cornerback but regardless I mean it looks like Michigan has a has had a huge push these past couple weeks even after they just landed Xavier Worthy and Christian Dixon two four-star guys out of California um, that they continue to push for for Anthony so um, yeah, it'll be an inter- and he's announcing live on a local TV station in East Lansing, which you would think if you're going to do that, you're probably going to pick the local team. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. It should be an interesting uh, press conference or whatnot or announcement to say yeah, the least. If this kid wasn't a, as I was telling Zook yesterday, if this kid wasn't an in-state kid, I don't think it would be as such a big deal. But the fact that he's goes to East Lansing High School, mm-hmm. projected to pick Michigan State, and it sounds like at this point. He's going to flip to Michigan. I think is, is a is a fascinating story. You know, I don't know if this was Michigan trying to create, you know, shoot at Mel Tucker and Michigan State staff. I don't know if what the ulterior motive is here, because like like you said, they've got three of the receivers committed. But um, just to land, try and get Michigan State's top top rated recruit for twenty twenty one, I think would be fascinating. It's just an interesting story, and it's fun to debate. I mean, this is one of those things where like recruiting is can sometimes be like exhausting or just like just annoying and this to me i think is a, is a fascinating storyline for at least for michigan fans michigan state on the other hand and as you as you said Zook, i think they're going to be upset to read this is you know not, not a good thing same token this is mel tucker's first recruiting class you got to give him some time to kind of get his feet wet so to speak because they haven't actually run a practice yet so and it's a little bit surprising, too, just because Michigan was gaining steam with another uh, wide receiver in w- recent weeks, too, a four-star guy in Jaden Thomas out of Georgia. And it seemed like Michigan was picking up a lot, was trending t- for him as well. Um, but it, it looks like he's waiting till maybe December to make a decision. Uh, and there's still a lot of pull for the Southern teams um, like Georgia and some SEC teams for him, too. So I think maybe this is a, a more safer option for Michigan. I mean, Thomas is ranked in the 200s compared to Anthony's ranked in the 500s, but just being able to to lock in uh, an in-state kid will bode well. And, and Michigan has some other top targets that are still going after in the state of Michigan. Maybe Anthony can be used as maybe a, a recruiting tool for the the Rocco Spindlers and the um, Donovan Edwardses as well, because they they'll be having their announcements here pretty shortly. I know I spoke with Rocco this week as well, and he's set to announce on on August 8th. Um, and it's likely you're going to come down to Michigan and Notre Dame. So, yeah, it's, college football season's up in the air, but recruiting's still going on, and it should be a fascinating few months in that regard before signing day. And one more thing on Andrew Anthony, too. I would not be surprised if, if there is some smoke to that idea of potentially moving him to cornerback. I mean, at this point, Michigan's only got one one corner committed. Um, he's got interesting size. He's 6'2", he 175, so he's a little bit taller. 
um, than, than some of the corners Michigan's had in, in the last few years. But I think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that, that was one of the reasons why I think Levert Hill struggled at times. Just, he just lacked – he was a shorter guy. He wasn't exactly taller. So if you can you can have a speedy guy on defense with with good athleticism, good height, and good length, that shouldn't shouldn't necessarily hurt Michigan's defense. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the, the plan is here. Assuming Again, this is assuming Andrell does commit to Michigan, but certainly it's an interesting story to follow. Um, I think we're going to be there in some regards. M Live will be at, at his, as an announcement tomorrow night, I believe. And we'll have coverage. So yeah, we'll have tomorrow. yeah, we'll have more more on on Anthony for Mission State or Mission wherever he chooses coming up uh, coming up tomorrow. Michigan basketball team does. It's been done before. They have uh, Brandon Johns on their roster. Went to uh, East Lansing High School as well and had significant interest from from Michigan State. So um, it's possible. It's possible to get a guy out of out of you know. Uh, the Spartans' backyard, um, and uh, yeah, I guess while we're on recruiting basketball, there is there have been no new commitments um, since our last podcast. Still, still just you know the three, and they've got more spots to fill. I mean, at least two that you know are open, but you know that doesn't count Franz Wagner potentially leaving. That doesn't count. Uh, you know, any other transfers, it doesn't count. It, it's assuming Shondi Brown, the transfer from Wake Forest, uh, does not play this year. So then he would, uh, you know, count as a scholarship the next year, which he could get a waiver and play this year. So there's a lot of factors there. They're probably looking at even even more guys than that. But, um, you know, you know, you've got a couple shooting guard wing types, and then you've got a, you know, a 6'8", six, 6'9", and inside out forward. Um, so not surprisingly, the the other targets right now are at the opposite ends of that spectrum, the true point guards and, and maybe, you know, a, a true center. So that's that's kind of who Michigan's focusing on right now. Missed out on 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 one point guard who had, you know, Michigan among his finalists earlier in this week. And, you know, sure enough, another offer, a point guard um, reported uh, an offer from Michigan uh, just, just yesterday, um, you know, top 100 kids. So they've got They've got a lot of options. They've got they've got you know offers out to I mean at least uh, you know four point guards who you know have Michigan somewhere you know among their finalists. There's there's Jaden Akins who um, you know in state kid Farmington you know also has Michigan State in there. You got Frankie Collins who has Michigan in his I think he had him in their top eight even though Michigan at the time and may still have not even offered a scholarship yet. Um, but he was interested in Michigan um, and then you know a couple couple others carter carter witt um in north carolina he's the top again top 100 kid just who just reported the an offer um and then jalen worley uh he's he's kind of the the highest uh ranked of the bunch um i've written about him before on mlive.com he's he's a philly kid and he's got the the connections with with phil martelli his dad and uncle both played uh, at St. Joe's while, while Martelli was there. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Some kids I speak to say, you know, definitely not in any rush uh, to make a decision um, and would like to see campuses. Others, you know, don't necessarily, aren't quite as uh, set on, on not seeing campuses. They, you know, they could definitely commit before uh, any restrictions um, on that front are, are lifted. So we'll just, we'll just have to continue to monitor that. But yeah, we've got, uh, We've got Aaron's conversation with Phil Steele. If you know that name, it's probably from his annual preview magazine, you know, which is very dense, you know, very, it just packed with information, um, very small font. I always remember that from, from his, because he, he a lot does, of abbreviations, he, a lot of abbreviations. <laughs> he squeezes as, as much, uh, you know, information as he can, you know, on, on all 130 teams. Um, Aaron's conversation 
you know, focuses, of course, on Michigan and, and kind of the Big Ten in general. Um, just a couple notes, because, you know, we, we did get to, to listen to it before, you know, having this conversation. Uh, he, he notes he talked to the head coaches at 110, you know, of the 130 FBS schools. I wonder if Harbaugh was, um, was, was part of that 20 that he, that he didn't. I was going to ask him that. I, I kind of slipped my mind, but I would presume not. <laughs> I mean, big Jim is, Jim doesn't talk to the Big Ten Network, so I presume he doesn't talk to Phil Steele either. But all right, I don't know. Uh, then you know, then another no. We don't want to have too many spoilers here, but you know, Michigan's uh, experience as far as you know the it's a you know his his formula that he uses for you know returning starters and their uh, you know their class, whether they're you know upperclassmen or, or whatnot. Michigan doesn't rank very high. In fact, they rank dead last uh, on his in his metric there. I don't know. Was that surprising to you when you heard that? I mean, they've got a lot of, you know, they don't return bit. a ton of starters. So yeah, a little bit. And he, he mentions it in his magazine. And I presume that's one of the reasons why he has Michigan where he ha- where he does in, in his mm-hmm. division projections. Uh, we wrote about it the other day in MLI. So it's not a shocker that he has Michigan finishing third in the, the East Yep, behind Penn state and Ohio state. Um, but yeah, he's, he's uncertain about the, the experience level, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, and, and we've, we've gone over this before, you know, Michigan's, Got question marks for quarterback. They got a lot of young, inexperienced guys along the offensive line. And in today's football game, today's college football game, you need a, an explosive, efficient offense. And there's there's question marks of what, where where Michigan goes this fall. Again, presuming there's football. But yeah, it was it was a wide ranging conversation. I think we spent about 15 minutes. I asked him about the magazine. Asked him about the, both Big Ten divisions. I'm um, asking a little bit about Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh and his, his feelings on, on Harbaugh's first five seasons at Michigan. Interesting conversation. Uh, his magazine is on sale now. Uh, it just came out last week. It was the final one of all the preseason magazines to come out. He did say it, came, it was produced a little bit later than he expected. In fact, he was worried that they weren't going to create a magazine at all this year. Um, they, they produced fewer copies. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's on sale now at Barnes and Noble and books and million stores and obviously online at philstill.com, but he's always a wealth of knowledge. He knows what he's talking about. He's got stat breakdowns for practically everything and he's not afraid to, to point out when he's right too. So it's, uh, it's a worth, worth a listen. I hope you guys enjoy it. And first guest too, I'm thinking on the podcast, if I'm correct. I think so. Yeah, I think that is correct. We're, we're going, we're going big, right? With our first one. And, you know, it, I'll tell our listeners if, you know, this conversation has maybe brought you down a little bit as far as, you know, confidence in having a season. Well, you know, we'll end on a high note with Phil Steele, certainly very optimistic about that happening. So, you know, there you I go. Th- I think it's worth mentioning, too, that just because we're not optimistic about a college football season doesn't mean we want it to happen. I mean, I've seen, I've seen some things on social media where the media doesn't want a college football season to happen, which is definitely not the case for us. I mean, we're, we'd love to get back to work and, and watching college football and cover some college football this year. But absolutely. Um, I mean I did we talk about this a little bit I Ryan, think a little week? bit I and then so, I, I but, it saw even it, more it did explode. Yeah. It did explode. Yeah. There's one particular day that seemed to be that was the focus yeah. of, of sports writers at least. And, and really until then I am glad you brought this up because until then I thought it was one of these things that like sports writers were talking about like of course we wanted to have a why are people saying we don't and I'm like who are these people that are saying we right. don't but then you, know, you start going into the replies to some of these comments saying that, and you're like, oh, there are do seem to right. be a lot of people that think that. And it's obviously just, I mean, it's, I don't even know what to say. It's so absurd. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you have, as a reporter, as a journalist, I think you have to be realistic in, 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 right. in your analysis and your opinion on things. And uh, it, it's clear that things aren't trending good for the college football season. It doesn't, right. it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It could. There's just so much going on. It's hard to 
it's hard to get a grasp either way because none of us have really been through this before. So it's, it's kind right. of new territory for everyone. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, and again, it's more, tw- it's more social media stuff that I, I think wastes a lot of our time more than that. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, then, without further ado, we will turn it to Aaron's conversation with Phil Steele. Welcome back to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Uh, this is Aaron McMahon. We're joined by a special guest this week. Uh, he's, the, he's the founder and publisher of the popular college football preview magazine. I'm sure many of you have, have either purchased it or read it before. Phil Steele. Phil joins me from, from his home. Uh, Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, I guess first off, before we even get into football, I want to ask you about the magazine. I'm sure many of our our listeners have, have you know, like, like I said, picked it up or read it at some point. Uh, it looks like you started it back in 1995. I would presume most folks think this is kind of a fairly simply simple deal. You know, that maybe just takes a few months to publish, but this is a this is a full year round operation for you, correct? That's right. They got the staff and uh, we work on nothing but football year round. And we really begin in earnest on next year's magazine, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's when some team season is complete and we can begin finalizing stats and getting those pages updated. And we also begin the first right through process at that point where we read through every article that's written about the team all year, get ourselves really fresh on the uh, each position, what happened this year, and then what to look forward to next year. The second right through process uh, that that first right through process takes in November, December, and into January. The second right through process is then another two months where we uh, add the freshmen to the lineup, take away the guys that left early for the NFL, uh, transfers in and out, redo some of the pages. And the third right through process is after I talk to the head coaches. I talked to 110 of the 130 head coaches this year, uh, going over the teams with them. We had to move that back this year because uh, of uh, Ohio got shut down, you know, due to the COVID. And uh, so we were, I was coming into an empty office for about a month and a half, wondering if we were going to put out a magazine this year. But once they reopened up, the staff came back, attacked it with the vengeance. And got to tell you, talking to the coaches, the coaches are pretty much next man up type of philosophy. You know, it doesn't matter. We didn't have spring practice. We'll be ready to play when the season starts. They got me fired up for fall football this year. And uh, and I'm ready to go. Now, we did move the magazine deadline. We normally send that last page of the press the end of May. We send it July the 8th this year, so much later than usual. And we printed a lot less copies. We normally print 200,000 copies of the magazine. This year, we only printed 50,000. So a limited distribution, only available at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. But, uh, yeah, it was a different process this year uh, with COVID. But uh, the good thing is we're going to be playing football in the fall. That was going to be my next question I was going to ask you. It seems like more and more conferences are moving to either a conference-only schedule or maybe a conference-only and one non-conference game. What is your feeling about the fall? Do you think they they start and do you think they finish? Yeah, I do. I I think they will finish. And I love the fact that the other sports are playing right now and and going through the the things that they're going through. And uh, I think everything gets uh, finalized and ready to go. And once the season starts, I believe we will play an entire season. And the beautiful thing about it, like the Big Ten, uh, for example, is my forecasts in the magazine are not based on overall record. They're based on conference records. So that was my thought process when I uh, forecast the prediction for the Big Ten. So I'm pretty happy with my forecasts in the Big Ten right now, even going to conference only. Okay. So we'll start with the Big Ten East. You've got Michigan uh, at third behind Penn State and Ohio State, and that seems to be the, the consensus at this point. In fact, I turned in my, my Big Ten preseason ballot to yesterday, and I had the same, same, 
same lineup. Um, how big of a gap do you think there is at this point between Mich- Ohio State and Penn State and, and Michigan? And, and can Michigan close? Do you think Michigan can close that gap this year? Well, as as you know, Aaron, I was high on Michigan last year. I thought that they had the open window to uh, win the the Big Ten East and and break that Ohio State dominance. And then they they sort of let me down last year a little bit. This year, the Wolverines have five starters back on offense, six on defense, lose the bulk of that offensive line to the NFL, which is probably my biggest question mark on the team. I think they'll be fine at quarterback with McCaffrey and Milton. I like the running back core. Uh, and I think Michigan's a good team, but they do go from number 43 on my experience chart all the way down to number 130. I do feel the two best teams in the Big Ten East are Ohio State and Penn State. And I thought Ohio State was uh, open for uh, getting beat last year. I mean, Ohio State had a brand-new head coach in Ryan Day taking over for a legend. They had a defense in 2018 that allowed 403 yards per game. Uh, which was probably the worst in Ohio State history. They lost the bulk of their offensive line. They were breaking in a new quarterback in Justin Fields, who I wondered if he could read defenses. That was a knock on him um, when he was at Georgia. So there was a lot of question marks on Ohio State last year. And plus, in 2018, they had so many close games. You know, the Maryland game, they had to stop a two-point conversion to win it. Uh, they got blown out by Purdue. They barely got past Penn State by one. Had a lot of ga- games that were games in the fourth quarter. Well, last year, even with all that, Ryan Day just steps in and they dominate teams on a weekly basis. So I think Ohio State's capable of uh, replacing the guys that they lost, including Chase Young. You look at Justin Fields at the quarterback position. Did he answer my question? Yes. 41 touchdowns, three interceptions. Yes, he did. The offensive line got three guys who were contemplating going to the NFL. Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, Thayer Munford, they all opted to return. Got one of the better receiving cores in the country, adding four true frosh, who I rated my top 13 wide receivers coming out of high school. Probably my biggest question mark with Ohio State might be a running back where uh, Master Teague hurt his Achilles in the spring. I wonder what his status is going to be for the fall. And then Trey Sermon added from Oklahoma, but depth at running back, their biggest question. With Penn State, now here's a team that's very experienced. They're number 44 in my experience chart. They've got 13 returning starters coming back. I thought last year with a new quarterback, and they were a fairly young team last year, that they arrived a year early. They got to 8-0, number five in the country. They did lose at Minnesota and at Ohio State, but both games are close, and both games were on the road. And now this year, they, of course, get Ohio State at home. And I got to tell you, going over the team with Coach Franklin each year in his seven years there, uh, the first year, this was a team that was coming off probation. They had walk-ons in the two-deep. Well, this year it's an entirely different animal. They go three deep at every position. I'm not just talking players' names. I'm talking about highly touted players, three deep, some of them with experience. This is a loaded, experienced Penn State team. Uh, I rate their offensive line number 12 in the country, their defensive line with uh, Owe, Shelton, and Shaka Tony, number eight in the country. They've got perhaps the best linebacker in Micah Parsons. Uh, they're solid at cornerback with Castro Fields and strong safety with Lamont Wade. They now have a veteran quarterback in Sean Clifford, and they go six deep at running back. They got a great three great true freshmen that they brought in at the running back core. The offensive line's veteran, as mentioned. So I think Penn State's a legitimate contender to Ohio State this year due to the talent and the experience level uh, that they have. And I, I, I like you, Aaron, picked uh, Michigan third uh, in the Big Ten East this year. 
quickly, let's go to the West. Uh, you have Wisconsin winning winning the division there. Iowa close two, I think. And then you've got Northwestern and Minnesota kind of tied for third. How close do you anticipate the Big Ten West being? And and it, it, it almost seems like every year there's a, it, this division is a crapshoot. Is, is that the same case this year, or do you think, you think Wisconsin's the runaway winner? No, I, I, and my major question mark with Wisconsin is who's going to replace Jonathan Taylor. Right. And normally they've got their guy that's ready to take over that's going to go, oh, well, he's going to take over. Like when Jonathan Taylor stepped in and took over the starting job, you sort of expected him to have a big season. There is a question mark at that running back position. Will it be the true freshman Jalen Berger that steps in? I mean, the talent's there. Wisconsin's a much more experienced team than it was last year. And I think everybody doubted Wisconsin last year, including myself. Wisconsin was picked third in the Big Ten West media poll, but then came out and dominated early on. But they still were back to Minnesota. They needed two, Minnesota to drop two of their final three games, and Wisconsin needed to win out just to win the Big Ten West last year, and they got that done. I do think it's open. So Wisconsin is my pick to win it. Iowa draws a pretty tough schedule playing Ohio State and Penn State on back-to-back weeks on the road. Uh, Minnesota's got that big offensive line. My biggest question mark for them is the fact they have just four returning starters on defense, lose six of the top eight tacklers. And then I want you to watch Northwestern this year. Northwestern's a team that, remember two years ago, was in the Big Ten title game. In fact, uh, Pat Fitzgerald had been 15-1 and in the regular season Big Ten play heading into last year. Now, last year they got poor quarterback play. And this year that's solved. Peyton Ramsey takes over, coming over from Indiana. He's one of the career passing leaders in the country coming in, and I think that's an instant upgrade there. And this Northwestern team's a much more veteran unit. 19 returning starters. In fact, Northwestern's number two on my experience chart. And I know they were three and nine last year, but a lot of folks don't realize they still had a top 20 defense. Patty Fisher's back, nine starters back on D. It's going to be a good Northwestern team that I think surprises a lot of folks this year. Now we're going to get a little bit of Michigan. We'll dive more into Michigan here. Um, with the quarterback situation at Michigan, obviously the starter hasn't been determined yet. It's believed to be down between between Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey. Um, the, the knock against Harbaugh since he's gotten Ann Arbor is, besides his inability to beat Ohio State, obviously, has been struggles developing a, a recruited quarterback. I mean, he had Brandon Peters come in. He's since transferred. They brought in a couple transfers. But there hasn't been that transformational quarterback that, say, Ohio State has gotten or an LSU or, or whatever the case may be that, that's prevented Michigan from getting over the hump. Do, do you see that happening this year with Milton and McCaffrey? And, and how far is, is Michigan away? kind of from, from being getting over the top, do you, do you think? Yeah, I, I like both McCaffrey and Milton. And I think that uh, Josh Gaddis, the offense coordinator, has got great stuff to work with there. Now, Milton might be the, the most talented quarterback athletically that they have with uh, arm strength and straight line speed. But, you know, we, he needs to improve his pocket presence a little bit. But he's a... He's a, a quarterback that's, you know, 6'5", 245, and uh, he's, he's somebody that you got to watch. And McCaffrey, once again, 6'5", 220. Uh, he's a hard worker, cerebral. Might not have the – he probably does not have the arm that Milton does, but uh, he's more accurate. And so, I mean, you've got two pretty good quarterbacks. I uh, like what I saw both of them on the field last year. And I think whoever wins that job – will come out and have a pretty good year. And especially when you're throwing to player like uh, Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell, you've you got pretty good receivers to throw to. They can make you look good. Michigan's defense has been interesting because since Don Brown, you know, arrived in Ann Arbor, they've, you know, every year almost, it seems like they've been top three, top five nationally. They, they dipped to number 11 last year, fourth in the big 10 as a defensive unit. Um, they, they return a, a bulk of starters are coming back. They got both of their ends, Ain Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay. 
Um, they got talented, I think, linebacker and Cameron Grohl, and they got some talented guys in the, in the backfield. Do you forecast Michigan defense returning to maybe top five, uh, you know, a top five ranking nationally this year? Yeah, they can definitely get there. And, you know, you mentioned up front, you know, you got a guy like Quiddy Pay at the defensive end spot, Carlo Kemp at defensive tackle, Aiden Hutchinson at defensive end. Uh, overall, I rate the linebacking or the defensive line number nine in the country. Uh, with McGrone coming back at linebacker and Josh Ross coming off the redshirt year at the coming in at middle linebacker, I rate them number 21 in that unit. And the DBs, despite some big losses, uh, Ambry Thomas is back at cornerback, Brad Hawkins at strong safety. Uh, so I rate that unit also at number 24. So I do believe they have that potential on defense. Don Brown's a heck of a defensive coordinator. And uh, uh, I, I think that Michigan does have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. You've got a couple of Michigan guys in your first team, uh, all Big Ten preseason uh, ballot. You've got, uh, you got Cody Pay, obviously, defensive line. you got Aiden Hutchinson. Who do you think, and there's some other, Jalen Mayfield's name has, has been thrown out there as a potential first potential first round draft pick in next year's NFL draft, Nico Collins' name is in third. Who do you forecast, it? Who, do you, who do you think will be some of the breakout players uh, coming from Michigan this fall? Uh, probably one breakout player I'd be looking for, somebody that uh, you know doesn't have the stats, doesn't have the starts from the past, might be Chris Hinton at nose tackle. Uh, he's a big boy at five tackles against uh, Ohio State, and I think now with a year experience coming in, uh, you're going to see him be more productive, especially if you're on the offensive line. I mean, you have to worry about blocking Pay and Kemp and Hutchinson. That could give Hinton some single teams, and that could make him uh, very dangerous. I do think Josh Ross is going to have a breakout here at the linebacker spot. Once again, he's a guy that last year only started three games and then was out for the year, 18 tackles. And when I say breakout, I mean he could have a lot more tackles this year and be uh, highly productive at, in that area. So I think those would be two guys there. And then uh, receiver-wise, uh, keep your eyes on Giles Jackson at the slot. He may step in there and, and give them some explosiveness. Everybody knows who Collins is and who Bell is and Nick Eubanks, and I think all those guys are going to have great years. But looking for a breakout player, I'd say Giles Jackson has the best chance of the receiving core. I get this question a lot when I do international radio shows or whatever, but what do you what do you make of the job Jim, Jim Harbaugh has done in, in his five years at Michigan? Well, besides disappointing me a little last year, but <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I think he's doing a, a good job. I mean, you look at the record of what uh, Michigan had prior to Jim Harbaugh coming in uh, the previous uh, three years uh, to Harbaugh. There was 20 wins and there was 18 losses, pretty mediocre coming off a five and seven season. And then all of a sudden three double digit win seasons. Now nine and four is looked at as an extremely disappointing season, whereas they hadn't been nine and four for three, four years prior to Harbaugh getting there. So he does. Absolutely. I remember John Cooper at Ohio state. I thought he did. He had Ohio state up there every year, but they just couldn't get past Michigan. And uh, it eventually cost Cooper his job. Now, if you're a Michigan fan, and you're wondering about Jim Harbaugh, I mean, who are you going to get that's better than Jim Harbaugh right now? I think that he's bringing in good recruiting classes. They're up there. They're competitive every year. So overall, good. But, yeah, he does have to break through one of these years and, and get Ohio State. Do you, think, do you think he'll be able to get over the hump at some point? He's got a year and a half left on his contract. I think it's assumed that he's going to stay at Michigan for the time being. Um, do you think he, there comes a point where he finally beats Ohio State and, and gets in the Big Ten title game? You would think the opportunity's there. I mean, Michigan's got the athletes to hang with Ohio State. It's not like they're, uh, you know, middle-of-the-road Big Ten athletes. So, yeah, I, I think the possibility clearly exists. I thought that was going to happen last year. I thought they were going to get past Ohio State in the situation they were. 
I don't see it happening this year, especially not playing in Columbus uh, and with what Ohio State has coming back. But uh, the potential does clearly exist, and that might make it pretty big next year's game uh, when that game is in Ann Arbor. Cool. That'll do it for our, uh, for our listeners listening in. Th- you can get Phil's Magazine, like you said, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. You can order it online at philsfield.com. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys next week.